Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. I'm Paul Nissenson from the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. Today's episode is all about what it's like to be a first-generation college student, which is often abbreviated as first-gen college student. So who is a first-gen college student? Well, for federal programs in the United States, the definition of a first-gen college student is someone whose parents have not obtained a bachelor's degree. Or if the student was supported by just one parent, that lone supporting parent did not obtain a bachelor's degree. Now, using this definition, a first-gen college student may have parents who completed some college or have siblings that already have a bachelor's degree of their own. However, different institutions and organizations may have their own definitions for who qualifies as a first-gen college student. I found an interesting article from the New York Times in 2017 that discusses the lack of consensus around this term and how it can create confusion for first-gen students who are trying to apply for college. I'll place a link to the article in the show notes in case you're interested. Many first-gen college students are the first in their immediate family to attend any college at all. As you might imagine, this can create some challenges for those students because they may not be able to receive a lot of guidance from family members on how to prepare for college. Also, family members who have not attended any college may not realize the massive amount of time required to earn a degree. Recently, I sat down with Ruby Valdez and Javier Ruedas, who are both first-gen undergraduate engineering students here at Cal Poly Pomona, to discuss their first-hand experiences of what it's like to be a first-gen student. Also joining us is Dr. Jessica Perez, who's a faculty member in the Electromechanical Engineering Technology Department at Cal Poly Pomona. Jessica has a strong research background in engineering education and has studied issues related to first-gen engineering students. She also frequently teaches a first-year engineering experience course, which puts her in contact with many first-gen students who are in the process of making that big transition from high school to college. During our conversation, Ruby and Javier shared how they successfully made their transition from high school to college and how their families feel about their journey thus far. They also gave advice on a variety of topics to help first-gen students succeed in college, such as the importance of time management, being involved in clubs and other organizations, and how current high school students can better prepare for the demands of an undergraduate engineering program. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Well, I'm here with three guests today. Uh, on my left, I have uh, Jessica Perez, who's a faculty member in the Electromechanical Engineering Technology Department here at Cal Poly Pomona. And I'm sitting across from two undergraduate engineering students who have wonderful smiles on their faces, Ruby Valdez, uh, Javier Ruedas. Um, welcome to the podcast. First of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank yeah. you for having us. Uh, today, we're going to talk all about what it's like to be a first-generation college student. That's what these two students have in common here. And before we get into that, I think for the listeners, it'd be really good to have a little bit of background from everybody here. So uh, first, we'll start with uh, Jessica, who could maybe tell us a little bit of background of maybe her education, her background in engineering, your research, uh, 
area of expertise and whatever else you think might be useful for the listeners. Okay, thank you. Um, first, thank you for inviting me. My specialty within engineering is engineering education. So I got my master's in geotechnical engineering after receiving my bachelor's here. And then I, you know, kind of ran through my gamut of my professional career. And I ended up getting my doctorate in education with a focus in engineering. So I really study not necessarily the technical side of engineering while I have that background, and I did that through my master's, I really focus on how we learn engineering and how students interact with engineering. That's really the focus of my research. So really just making it a better educational experience for students. Yeah, that's something that has just recently become uh, a lot more um, uh, hot right now in engineering is trying to study how students learn. Absolutely. Right. You can't produce engineers if you don't educate them properly. That's kind of my thinking on it. Yeah. And uh, before we uh, have the students introduce themselves, maybe you could give a, a definition um, of what a first-generation student is. Sure. A lot of um, research currently is looking at first-generation students. And first-generation students is actually defined two different ways. Even the state reports it two different ways. Um, both of our students here that are with us are first-generation in their family to attend any college. Sometimes first-generation college student is defined by first-generation in, first in their family to receive a degree. So there's two different ways. Either way, you're still a first-generation student, but both of our students here, their parents did not um, attend any college. And so they would be first-generation in their family to attend college. And both of them, when they get their degree, will be first-generation to get a degree in engineering. Mm. So uh, Ruby and Javier, um, maybe you can tell our audience what your major is, how far you are to getting that degree, and anything else that you think might be interesting for the listeners. And we can start with Javier. Okay, so I'm currently pursuing a civil engineering degree uh, under the general option. I am a second year, so I probably have either two and a half more years left to, yeah, I don't know, depending if I finish in four <laughs> to five years, typically uh, Cal Poly is a five-year track, so we'll see. I am Ruby, and I am a fourth-year electromechanical systems engineering technology major, and hopefully I will be graduating this year. No, not Hopefully. I will. I will. May. Okay. I will be graduating. As your advisor, you are graduating <laughs> in May. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's take uh, let's take you back to high school, um, which is a little bit closer for Javier than Ruby, but uh, he just called you old. <laughs> <laughs> older. Uh, so when you were a senior in high school, um, since you didn't have any parents that uh, had gone to college. Um, did you have any difficulty figuring out how to apply for college or the other things that come along with that, such as getting financial aid or applying for financial aid? Uh, and you know, who did you turn to for that kind of help? So with me, um, yeah, normally it's like with big like change of events in life, like you normally like look to your parents or your guardian or whatever. And so for me, it was when it came time to apply for, for colleges, I turned to my parents, but I mean, they're always more than willing to help in any of like my, my endeavors and stuff. But with my mom finishing um, her highest education of second grade in, in Mexico and my dad finishing a uh, high school diploma here 
they particularly weren't like the, the, the best help I could receive in, in applying to colleges. So the, the, what I more so turned to was, was were my fellow students in school, my, my teachers. And then um, I think one of my biggest assets was uh, both of my sisters that were currently attending college and had just graduated um, in, in their particular field. So how well, about you, Ruby? Well, in my case, I knew I had to go to college. Why'd you have to go? Because uh, my parents came here as immigrants mm. and they, like, how do you say it? They wanted a better life for you. They wanted a better life for me. Yeah. And so they would be like, yeah. You're going to go to college and stuff like that. They knew what college was and they instilled the idea in me, despite the fact that they, the highest they went to was um, second grade. So in high school, I didn't know how to apply for college. No one in my family. I'm the oldest in my, for my siblings. So I had to like go out there and figure it out. Luckily, I had friends in high school who were involved in AVID. And so until my senior year, they were like, oh, you should join it, join it. And like, what, what's AVID for the listeners? Oh, yes. <laughs> AVID is. It sounds for advancement via individual yeah. determination. And it works so with first gen days. underserved populations. So first generation <clears throat> students in their family, those who are traditionally underserved in public education, not just first generation students, uh, underrepresented groups, any um, students receiving that are um receiving financial help. So anyone who's traditionally underserved by public education, um, AVID kind of steps in and provides social networking support while they're in college. So it works on academic and social skills as well as college prep skills. Yes, that's what AVID is. But I, despite the fact I didn't, I was able to join my senior year because in order to be an AVID in high school, you had to apply from middle school, eighth grade, and they would have this acceptance process. And throughout uh, high school, I would see my friends go to like avid field trips to colleges and they would do all these like note taking skills and they had a bunch of information. So senior year came around and somehow I managed to get in the course and my avid professor, she was great. She like almost like told me step-by-step step how to fill it out, what I had to do, what I needed to bring and she held my hand. So you mentioned that uh, your parents certainly wanted you to go to college, but did they want you to specifically go into engineering or is that uh, your decision? That was my decision. So uh, why, why was that your decision? Or why, why did you choose engineering rather? <laughs> I think it chose me. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. No, I originally thought I was going to be a doctor. In middle school, I was in this Hippocrates Circle program at my nearby Kaiser Hospital. And I was like, wow, bio is so amazing, science, I love it, this is easy. And even in high school, I took an advanced IB bio class for fun. And then once application time came by, I was like, the schools that I applied to, by that time, I was like, I applied to engineering in some, because I was like, oh, growing up, I, I did like breaking things apart and like seeing how they work. But then 
it all came down to the schools that I got accepted to. And then I didn't want to go to UCR to do bio for some reason. I was like, Cal Poly Pomona has horses. I'm going there. <laughs> our, our mascots, the Broncos. <laughs> and, and there's horses on campus. And there's horses the on reality campus. was I didn't, I was, I was surprised that I actually got into an engineering major. So I was like, wow, I got accepted to this school in engineering. Why not give it a try? How about you, Javier? Did engineering choose you or, or did your parents have something to do with that? Oh, for me, at least, um, like... Growing up, like, just, like, um, played, like, typical, like, play with Lego blocks, like, always, like, like playing with little structures and stuff, but, like, car rides to anywhere, my dad would be quizzing us with math questions, math questions, and, like, math skills and stuff, so he was always, like, instilling, like, these, like, kind of, like, STEM, STEM fields, kind of, like, like, problem-solving questions, and so, like, that kind of guided my, my, like, kind of success in, in high school and, and liking my, like, mathematics and sciences and, like, AP physics, AP calculus and stuff. But more so around the time when, like, applications came, I had no idea what, like, any major was. I didn't know what civil engineering was. I didn't know anything. And so um, I think it was my summer of my uh, junior year or sophomore year. I think applications are junior or senior year. But um, my sister had started taking me to, like, um, her organization, like, 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 golf tournaments and and like food drives and stuff. And I was essentially volunteering and getting to know a lot of people of industry and in, in the industry of civil engineering. So I got to meet a lot of people that were very, very proud of what they studied. They talked about it. I got to talk to them about their experience in college and stuff. And it only made me want to go to college that much more. And so I think that's what facilitated my my drive into choosing civil engineering because or just engineering in general. I ended up uh, applying for mechanical, aerospace, civil, and uh, best bang for my buck option was civil engineering at Cal Poly Pomona. And that early exposure is really common among first-generation students. A lot of my, a lot of research that has been done and my own personal research too points to that early exposure to engineering or to any kind of STEM field really early to get students engaged in engineering if they're first-generation college students. Yeah, and, and what you were mentioning earlier about not knowing what any of the uh, engineering disciplines were, that's super common. I had no idea. Um, and so that's, actually, it's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is mm -hmm. so someone who wants to know a little bit more about what engineering's like can hear, hey, from someone like you who's going through it right now. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so typically one of the biggest things I utilize was like Google, just like looking up like right. every major and seeing like which one each pertain to and then also just talking amongst amongst it with like your fellow friends and students in high school because I think that was like one of the biggest things that helped me understand like the application process and like going through that was just like my friends also going through it. How does your family feel now about your choice to be in engineering? Well, they're, I think they're proud that I've stuck through it and that I'm almost done. They still don't know what my major's about, but it's okay. They'll find out soon. Uh, but yeah, they're, I think they're content with it. I hardly see them because I'm always busy. And I, Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think like, with both of your parents not attending college, it's hard for them to understand exactly what you're going through on a day-to-day basis. So I mostly like save it for like my accomplishments and I tell them about my accomplishments more, more often than not because uh, ultimately too, there's a translation barrier of explaining some things that are happening uh, like, like on the school to 
school day-to-day basis kind of thing. And um, honestly, like with my parents, it's just they just wanted me to be successful. And the biggest thing they're concerned about is money and how I'm going to be making money. So me not making like all that much money right now, they don't find that as like the, the biggest success. But so it's it's honestly... They, I, I think they're they're proud in just how involved I am on campus and yeah, not seeing them as often uh, as I want to probably makes them a bit sad, like denesting and stuff because I, I do live away from, from home right now. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Well, there's that push-pull, right, of my family has been my life and my I am my parents' life because they're, I'm, they didn't, that's first generation, the way. Right. And so we have this push pull of I have these feelings. I need to stay close to my family. That's what I'm comfortable with. And I'm not. And my parents don't get it because they don't have that experience. Like, why are you at school until three in the morning? You must be doing X, Y, Z instead of studying. That's really common among first generation students. The parents not understanding the demands of the curriculum, especially in engineering. Sometimes like maybe curriculum is less demanding. It's not as bad. But for engineering, you're here all the time. And, you know, Javier brought up a great point, too, that engineering is a path out of poverty for some first-generation students that really is looked up for in the family. Yes. Talking about looking at engineering as a path out of poverty, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I chose the major. Because growing up, uh, I've always been poor. So my goal is to, like, one day buy my bed. Buy a bed. Buy a bed. That's awesome. Well, looking at starting salaries for engineers, you can buy probably many beds when you, soon you get your degree. <laughs> oh, yeah, <but laughs> you got to get out of school first to buy yes, a bed. Yes, yes, yes. No, One step a at a time. Big thing, like, growing up, because I, I moved, like, like at a very vital point in, like, my life. So, like, growing up, I grew up um, kind of, like, in a not-so-wealthy not area. Mm-hmm. But then uh, come middle school, come high school, where it really mattered, uh, like, like, like getting to know, like, that college was, like, something of the future, like, that I needed to go to. That's when I I kind of understood how, how big of an impact diversity is because growing up in a very Latino-populated uh, area, mm-hmm. the biggest thing in that area was once you're done with high school, you're going to go out into the workforce work. and work, work, yeah. work, just make money for, for the family. And so going into a different, uh, like, more diverse area, a lot of the – focus was college, college, college. So it was very, very different in, in those two regards. So I kind of see as to why, uh, like, why parents would be so more so, like, m- m- more interested in the in the money aspect of, of college and stuff. Well, it's trade-off for your family, too. You're postponing your earning as long as you're here. So you're not, I mean, you're contributing right now to your family, but you're not. You're not contributing in a way you could if you had just gone straight to work. And that's, I mean, for a lot of students, that's a reality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you're delaying your earning for better earnings, but you're still in a delay of earning. Yeah. So uh, earlier, Ruby mentioned that she was part of uh, AVID. Um, so looking back at your transition from high school to college, do you feel like there should have been additional resources offered in high school? And if so, what kind of resources uh, do you think would have been useful? I think there should have been more resources like AVID for students who weren't able to be enrolled in AVID. Mm. 
I had friends, several friends who were like applying to community colleges or they didn't even know about the deadlines for some Cal states and stuff. And they were, they wouldn't have the courage to go talk to the AVID professors because they thought, oh, AVID is strictly for AVID students. And so I would be trying to advise them or help them out. Oh, hey, here, this is what I learned. But they, they were just like, they, I would see that they wouldn't get helped as much as the people who are like AVID students. I totally agree. Um, more, more so clubs on campus that could be um, like reminding us of deadlines, like, like when is a good time to apply for college, that type of stuff. I was involved with CSF, which is a California Scholarship Federation. And so that actually helped me uh, uh, tour schools beforehand. So like my, my freshman, sophomore year, I got to tour like three or four schools, like not that many. But I mean, it, it got me into into thinking about college, at least like like more programs that like would have us tour schools, find out about the school would would have definitely changed my, my spectrum on on what schools to apply for, like how campus life was like or just like commuter schools versus big, big private universities or, or whatever it may be. So shifting gears a little bit now to your experience here on at a university. Do you think that your experience as a first-generation student um, in an engineering program is different than for other students who are non-first-generation? And if so, in what ways? I think it, it is, in some ways, the fact that we don't have someone to look up to who's been to college already, or we don't have previous knowledge of what it's like to be in college. That's one of the, the little cons that we have coming in. And also, they know, some of them, let's say if we're talking engineering, they have people who are in industry and they have access to companies and stuff like that. Like, shoot, I don't know anybody in my family or my perimeter that is in an industry. I'd have to look, go join a club and figure it out uh yeah so i'm like kind of wishy-washy on on that whole on the whole question because i i do see a small difference in that some some students come in like a bunch of ap credits have all of this experience prior and so they come in already ahead of the game but in terms of like living here my first year it's very noticeable that everybody is starting fresh and nobody knows exactly what they're doing. So in that regard, like <laughs> I came into school, I had no idea like like what my first few steps were and neither did everyone else. So going through that with all the other students at the beginning was very uh, similar in that I didn't see that much of a difference between me or the next person next to me. Well, the school here too, a third of the students at the school are first generation and half are first generation, some college. So you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. So what resources um, have you used on campus uh, at the university to help um, navigate through, you know, the bureaucracy, maybe things that um, you don't have a, a family member who can kind of help pr uh, provide that guidance? Um, and have you, you kind of mentioned clubs earlier. Um, have any clubs or organizations that you've joined helped in any way? Well, I am currently vice president for 
the Mechanical Contractors Club. And so we would go out and volunteer for these companies and help them out. We would go to conferences, competitions. And so that really put me out into what industries like, what do they do and stuff like that. And also Society of Women Engineers, that also has exposed me to industry. We have uh, dinners with uh, companies that we, that we hold and we occasionally have guest speakers come in and talk. So we get some knowledge from from them. Javier is the king of clubs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this question. So <laughs> Jesus. So coming in, I was just, my like number one concern was, okay, I need to meet as many people as I can. I need, like, just need to get to know everyone. And so like, I, first I, I went with, with AAC, which is American Society of Civil Engineers. And so I was, a, very early on, I was able to um, get a position on board as a first year representative. And so that just opened my eyes to so many other civil engineering students on campus. The networking skills were insane. Going to all of these events just broadened my eyes to everything. And then not only that, but to like guide yourself through this like college bureaucracy, um, you literally have so many other sources to look up to. Like you have so many different people, like all of these juniors, seniors, everyone that you can ask questions about to like be able to like get specific classes and all these things. And so um, you just know the ins and outs of anything, everything very, very soon. And uh, not only that, but it's, it goes back to like, like, like indulging yourself in programs that like are very hard to like talk about with your parents. It's like, they don't see these as like, like big opportunities for you to, to be making more money. They see it as like a waste of time. So like, I, I not, not at the beginning, at least that's what they, they saw. Like I would tell my parents about like my involvements with AAC and stuff. And they just see it as like, I'm, I'm more so like lollygagging than actually working hard and like getting good grades and stuff. They don't see me as, see it as like applying myself towards school, school, like, like grades, like tests and exams and stuff, not, not studying. And so, um, not only that club has helped me a lot. Um, when I first, actually, when I first was, um, my summer coming into Cal Poly, they offered a program called MEP and MEP was maximizing engineering potential. And so that was for, uh, minority students in the engineering field. And it helped us actually like come to school like two weeks before, uh, college even started, helped us like, they let us live here for three days to see like how it was. And then they also gave us like small little lectures and classes. So it got us very like thinking, like very motivated to enter college. And then not only that, but um, last year, I also pledged a fraternity called Sigma Chi. And that's just uh, the social aspect of, of college. It's not just like only going engineering, 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 but also having some fun along the way and like getting my philanthropic uh, like actions also also secured away, like a lot of community service and stuff. So, I'd like to add about the navigating through the bureaucracy. Um, he mentioned talking to older people or getting to know people. And along my way through college, I made a lot of upperclassmen and they helped so much. So I would advise to like make friends in your classes because they're gonna be there along the way until they're out and then you're gonna be next. And next thing you know, you're, you're giving advice to these young students who are gonna graduate soon. And also advisors 
my advisor, Jessica, she's, she's the greatest in the world. <laughs> Advisors help you so much, so much. So it would be nice to advise, to, to befriend one, even if they're not your advisor, because I know Jessica's friends. No, we were always, I was always your advisor. No, I'm talking oh. about other people. Yeah. She adopts everybody. So I know there's some advisors that are not great, but seeking out for the, the right one that will help you is, I think, would be very helpful. You can take almost that pseudo-parent role, like, oh, I don't yeah. have anyone to look up to. Here's my academic advisor who's done this already yep. and can give me that kind of guidance. And, and so this might require some people to kind of step out of their comfort zone a little For bit, sure. right? Yeah. And you have to be really honest. Like, you know, at some point in time, some people can just read it that you're kind of lost. But some, like as a first generation student, the more open you can be with your advisor, like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm first generation. Like, can you please help me go nice and slow? Here's my list of questions. But as a student, come prepared with, you know, these are the things I don't get. And it makes it much easier for the advisors to help. But yeah, don't undersell the academic advisor and professional clubs like Ruby and Javier both mentioned. Getting to know those older students that'll help, like, that's. That's your hugest They'll huge give you resource. Textbooks for classes if you need them, <laughs> <laughs> and so, tips and tricks. Yeah, we forgot professors as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I definitely went through a state of panic over the summer, and Jessica was one of the first people I called, and she was able to give me a step-by-step -step guideline as to what I should do, like in my specific scenario, like uh, dealing with with class scheduling and stuff. So. Professors are also a very, very good source in, in terms of uh, asking questions as well. So you've mentioned some people that you've reached out to, some clubs, some organizations. Is there anything lacking in terms of resources from uh, a university that you wish that a university would, would do more of? At least for me, I don't think so. I think all of the resources are laid out. It's just a matter of being proactive about it and mm. actually indulging yourself in those activities because everything could be laid out. But if you don't actually take initiative and persevere to do any of those things, you're not going to succeed in, in any regard. It's a matter of like picking and choosing what you have time for, what you don't have time for and about actually like putting yourself out there, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and actually growing yourself as a person in that way. So I think all everything is set up for you to actually succeed in college, yeah. But putting yourself out there, that's hard sometimes. For sure, for sure. And like, you know, you say growing into this, that grow, growing is hard. And that's why people stay stagnant and they stay where they are. So, I mean, you've already made the first step, you're here, right? I mean, and, and just joining a club, you don't have to necessarily be an officer or take an active role, but just- Unless you're Javier, then you have to. Yeah, well, <laughs> we all can't be Javier. Yep. Uh, but yeah, even just joining a club and just, just Starting to meet people slowly, mm -hmm. that can be a good, I think, first step. Go, uh, relating to that, so my freshman and sophomore year, my freshman year, I was like, I need to join clubs because in high school, I was like super involved and I knew like everybody. But then coming here, I was scared because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I had to do, what was right for me. I tried joining a club in like the civil engineering department. They said no. And I was like, ah, but... That's, that's, I like that. That looks cool. And so I found this club. I would drop in by the meetings, but they were mainly men. So I would be like weirded out and I would just pop in and then leave. I wouldn't stay. But then eventually I would like go 
to more club meetings frequently. And next thing you know, you just know everybody. Next thing you know, you're running the club yourself. It's always nice to go with a friend. Like, yes. this club is intimidating to me. I'm going to take one person I know, and we're going to go together. But the first few days, you're you're right. exposed to all these club fairs, and I didn't have any friends here, so it was kind of weird. Did you live on campus? No, I've always commuted. And you've lived on campus. Yeah, so I lived on campus last year, and I think that was one of the biggest things I, I can I can say helped tremendously to getting to know, like, like friends and, and students. So overall... Has college been kind of like what you expect it to be? Has, has anything surprised you? I see Javier shaking his head violently. No. Uh, so has anything surprised you? And um, so what do you wish uh, that you knew before starting college that might have helped out now? Um, before starting college, I think the biggest thing I, I, I should have like been told is like how to get priority and, and registering for classes because that's been one of my like biggest like upsets in, in getting class and stuff. But honestly, I enjoyed a lot of the things I didn't know because that's what helped me actually like like learn and, and grow as a student. And I just feel so much more of a like like I just feel so much better about myself in the state I am now than when I had originally started and then when I was in high school. I think all those um, things I didn't know, all of those like weird windy roads that I had to go through is actually what helped me get to the point I am now. And so that as well as, um, what was the, the first part of the question? So was college, uh, anything like I, I uh-huh. imagined? No. Cause I came into college with everyone telling me Cal Poly is a commuter school. Everyone told me like, it, it's, it's a socially dead school. You're going to go to class and you're just going to go back home. And I was like, oh. I mean, like, I'm, like, mentally preparing myself for that, but I, I'd i always imagine college to be, like, oh, my God, you're going to be partying all the time. You're going to be, like, barely sleeping and all this stuff. And so I came into it with a mindset as, like, I'm just going to go to class and go back home. Rather than that, I just – I would just strictly, like, try to be as extroverted as you can while you're a student because just try to get to know as many people as you can because you'll never know – what resources you'll need later on in life. Like you'll always have somebody to, to ask for if you ever need help. And so like, that was like one of the biggest things I came in here. I met a bunch of people and it led me to not only like be working my first year, to be going to parties my first year, to like be doing great academic wise. It was honestly just like very big as of a shock in terms of what I expected coming to here. Uh, coming into school, just thinking it was going to be boring and just studying all the time. Ruby studies all the time. <laughs> well, in my case, it sounds completely, not completely opposite, but somewhat. So I thought it was going to be like your experience <laughs> because I had professors, well, my avid teacher, she was like, she would tell us all these crazy stories that she went through and about parties and what happens and classes and stuff like that. And so I came here and I would just come and go home. My mom would be like, are you coming home? (laughs) And so I would go back. But then eventually I started meeting people and they would just help me out with courses or we'd study together. Clubs and stuff like that kept me involved. But I never went to any parties. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. 
I never knew about any parties. So I know it's not a dead campus, but. So I, I think what I'm hearing also is kind of college is what you make of it. Yep. Even on a campus that might not have a reputation of having a lot of excitement or being a commuter school, you could still make that experience the opposite. Right. And that's very much Javier and Ruby's personality, right? Mm -hmm. Like Javier will sit in the back of the classroom and you can still hear him in the front of the classroom (laughs) loud as day. (laughs) And Ruby's a little more reserved in her personality and like just, you know, not that you're not reserved is right. Reserved in her personality once, and she's like kind of slow to warm. I'm slow to warm too. Like I'm slow to warm. I'll get it. Yep. I'll be really into it, but in a little bit, like, let me figure things out. I'm slow first. to warm too. You're I mean, like, yeah. I went to like clubs and stuff like that, but like it eventually like died for me. It wasn't great after. Mm-hmm. And I had parties with friends, but not like I've never went, been to like a crazy frat party where like, like those crazy stories you hear about. I've never been to one of those. Neither has Javier. Thank you, Javier's mom. She, he's never done any of that. <laughs> I don't party ever. <laughs> no, he's a good boy. <laughs> so, um, Jessica, we've talked about some issues that first-generation students may face. Was there anything that we haven't brought up um, that you can think of that that are typical issues of first-generation students? Um, not necessarily that we haven't brought up yet. Definitely that making a connection to the school, especially when... Um, but more seeing your employment outlook, too. I know Javier has an internship right now, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But a lot of research is pointing to first-generation students wanting to work for, like, public agency or something like that that's more connected to their community, more stable work. Um, and so maybe Ruby can talk a little bit about her future. Like, if she had her dream job, what would be her dream job? And then Javier can talk about his internship a little bit and how that has gotten him involved in his field. So I think one of the biggest things that helped me get in, like to my internship was the clubs. And so um, ASCE, the American Society of Civil Engineers, not only helped with the whole like like getting to know people networking-wise, but it also gave me experience in that I was able to like attend competition events, competition teams, like, like construct a, a canoe made out of concrete and that took a duration of a whole year. And so that gave me experience in order to apply. And so um, I was able to apply, and I currently have been working for the city of Newport Beach in the Traffic Management Center and uh, Traffic and Transportation Engineering. And then I focus on curb markings and signage. Um, but I've been working there for the last year now, and it's been amazing. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. Working for a public agency, giving back to the community has been one of my like like biggest focuses. And so... I just would love to also just help, like, ev- ev- like honestly, like, everyone that I can, just meeting as many people as I can kind of thing, so. Yeah, and you have the set hours, too, so you're able to maintain work-life balance, too. Mm-hmm, like, public mm-hmm. agency, you get there when you are supposed to, you leave when you're supposed to, and you have that balance. Yeah, and I was, I was going to add that it's great that you're getting an internship this early on, because that's going to pay huge dividends later on when you finally walk down the, the <laughs> aisle and get your diploma. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. So how about you, Ruby? You're, you're much closer to, to graduation. What are your plans? My plans? Hopefully get a job or some sort of internship after I graduate. Do you have uh, a dream job? A dream job. Not necessarily. There's so many things I want to do. But what I've see- looked more into is project management, whether that's in a mechanical aspect or construction aspect. 
I've always liked construction because of my dad. I don't know how to transfer those skills onto a resume though. So I've had exp exposure to construction, the whole cement and layout building and stuff, but it's not like a person who has a degree in construction. So I'd probably go into more project management in mechanical or HVAC, which is some of the courses that I am knowledgeable about. Right, you've always kind of expressed an interest in those building systems, which is, I mean, people overlook a mechanical engineer does a lot of building systems, right? Heating and air conditioning, piping, plumbing, electrical, electrical. all of that stuff that's done by with mechanical engineering. So um, absolutely overlook that a lot. So you were mentioning earlier about how um, your parents and family would sometimes prefer you to maybe be working right away to start earning money. Is that something that you've um, had to do in college? Do you have a job? I currently just got a job. I am a janitor because I need extra money and that's how it goes. Well, thankfully I get FAFSA and that covers all of my tuition and I get extra money from that. So I use that for my books and other school supplies that I need gas money because I need to get to school. And and for high, uh, for high school students who might be listening, what's, what's FAFSA? Free yeah. application for federal student aid. So mm. Ruby qualifies for financial aid. And so she gets free money from the government. Mm -hmm. Grants, Pell Grant, Cal Grant, yes. all these free monies that if you qualify, you can get. And they are very great aid for people who are going to college. And you don't have to pay it back. And so what I used... With that extra money, I would help out to pay the bills and my gas and some food here and there. And I would have to manage my money throughout the quarter or semester. That way, I wouldn't waste it all. So I had to make a some amount of money and last the whole semester. And so this year, it's been a bit more rough. My mom pays for my car. So it's like a family car, but I use it for school. So she's been helping me with like food and stuff, but I want to help out by paying the bills because I don't have enough money to help out everybody in the house. So I yeah. picked up a job. And yeah. it's generally recommended just to apply for FAFSA every year. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. Even if you feel like you make too much money you should doesn't hurt apply. to apply mm -hmm. yes that and scholarships as well scholarships is one of the biggest um, ways that i'm able to to receive a little bit of extra money here and there to help me uh like pay for college because having two other sisters that i've also been through the college route leaves my parents dry with with the whole having extra funding uh, to put a child through through um college and stuff so I'm working right now. It's mostly to pay for like food and and like housing and stuff. But fortunate enough for me, I my parents did, uh, were were pretty well off before, mm -hmm. uh, putting us through college and stuff. And that they were able to like really live the American dream. And I'm super proud of them. And I'm super grateful for that because it's put a lot of less stress on me being able to just focus on school, sports, and all that good stuff like during high school and stuff. And so. Um, I, I didn't particularly have to. And that reality is not just for first generation. I'm not first generation. My mom went to college, but it did not mean that we had extra money laying around either. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just something that's unique to first generation. 
it definitely think it's magnetized, magnified for our first generation students. Um, but you know, I, I worked in college. Paul, did you, I'm sure you worked in college. Don't tell me. You didn't. I had scholarships. <laughs> I had scholarships. I still had to pay for everything else. I had to eat. I had to go to school. I, I was I was fortunate that uh, some extra expenses. We my parents were able to to pay for that. So, yeah, that's yeah. really nice. And so I think it's just kind of magnified for our first generation students because oftentimes you don't have that little nest egg there for you at home. And so the working is definitely a reality. So, um, you know, we talked about an engineering being path out of poverty and your parents' expectations. That's a lot to manage when you are it. How do you manage your parents' expectations and that, you know, that burden of your parents' expectations? So you're proud, you're doing this thing, but how do you manage all that? Well, sometimes it's, it's a lot because engineering courses and the engineering major in itself is a lot. And so you go home and they expect you to be like this super A plus student that's doing great when you're barely like surviving. And so it's, it's very hard because you want to finish, you want to finish for them for a better future and a better life. And you want to give back to them in this way. Oh, like I did it for you. I did it for myself. I did it for the betterment. But then there's also, I have, I feel like I have more pressure to finish because there's this aunt that I have at home or like these people that'll be like, oh yeah, you'll finish, but you won't get a job. You'll finish, but you won't do anything with it. Or you probably won't even finish. So that drives me a little bit more. Yeah, for, for me, the, the pressure comes from, since I have older siblings that have already graduated, graduated and are very, very successful in their fields already, I feel like I'm almost like competing with them a little bit in, in, in terms of that regard. Like I feel like uh, having like another sibling that's also in civil engineering and has also completed so many accomplishments in her life, I feel like I, I'm like looked up to be like, I need to be like her. So it's like, I do have some of those pressures, like in reality, like I need to finish in four years rather than five. I need to like get a really well-paying job after this. I need to be way more involved. All these things that I'm, I just like, I need to be way more than I already am kind of thing. And that comes with a lack of background too. Like if a parent doesn't have that background, this is what they anticipate. You're going to do this and your sister did this. So you should be able to, the circumstances are totally different, yeah. but you know, that's still working on the information you have. That would make sense that that's what is going uh, forward. That's very true. I, me, I'm in a four-year college, Cal State. My brother, he's 19. He's going to community. He never reached out to me and asked me for help. So he's on, he's just doing him. He, he knows he has that pressure. Oh, you've done this and that. And like my parents pro probably want me to do the same, but he's not doing that path. And there's people, you don't have to do that path. Right. He's doing what he's, he likes. He's doing graphic design. He was initially doing architecture, but he switched. He wanted to do architecture because I think, because I'm doing engineering, they expected him to do something related or something that's, you know. Similar. Similar or like seen as like this great thing that'll get you out of poverty. But he's doing what he likes now and I'm happy for him. He started his own graphic t-shirt company, his own brand. So... He's doing, people do different things and go different paths. So it's 
it's different for everybody. So before I let you both go, what recommendations would you give to a first-generation high school student who's thinking about going to college? What recommendations would you give to that student to better prepare to be part of an undergraduate engineering program? For me, at least, I would like for sure tell them to, over the summer, go to as many STEM-related like camps, like environmental institutes, like research opportunities that you could find, that you could research online, Google, anything, that type of thing. And I think that those are the, the camps, institutes that'll really like, like gear your, your, your knowledge into, into going into whatever you, it is that you want to go to. I think for me, I attended a research in- institute in, in New Mexico and also Portland, Oregon. And those two experiences were like super amazing. I still keep in touch with all the people uh, that that I that I had gone to over that summer. And so I think going to opportunities like that would be absolutely like amazing in, in starting like with a with a clear mindset as to what it is that you want to be doing in your engineering related field um, going into college. So what I would would recommend is time management. Get good at that because you get piled up with a bunch of projects and a bunch of group members and you have to sort your time. And if you're deciding to work and go to school, make sure you make enough time to do your projects, to do your homework, to do club activities. Then don't drown yourself in work and then you're going to start failing your classes, getting behind. And also, I would say to stay curious, keep learning, because sometimes along the way we get tired and we're like, wow, is this really what I'm going to do? But, and you like doing something else. So learn something that you like and learn it good because you'll use it later on. I'd also recommend making friends with a bunch of people in your class. Make good connections with peers outside of your major because they'll be there too after you graduate. That's a good point. You never know where your degree is going to lead you. Like your degree is very flexible and it's not just one thing that you're going to do with your degree. So cast a wide net. All those points are beautiful. I think the biggest one that I didn't take into consideration was the time management and and sleep. I (laughs) thought I could survive off two hours of sleep most of the year last year. So I got into like a pretty bad car accident and then it was like a wake up call and it was like, Okay, I need a lot. I need I need to sleep more. I need to really like like delete some things off of my schedule and like just the things that are really important. Stick to those and involve yourself with a lot of activities, but not too many because it'll end up being a disruptor in in your other activities if you're focusing too much on on particular things. Something I would also say is uh, if you're already almost done. Don't quit because there's times where we have sleepless nights because you know you have to. But in the end, it'll be worth it. Six months, Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm losing my hair, man. I'm like, the stress is killing me. Stress is real. Oh, stress management is also good. I have people trying to help me out with that. But I, yeah, there's also resources available on campus or I'm pretty sure an on any campus that can help you out with that. Yeah. Well, Jessica, 
Ruby, Javier, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us to share your thoughts on on what it's like to be a, a first generation student. Um, I'm sure this episode it will help any listeners out there who are in a similar situation as you uh, to make that transition into college. And congrats to you both for making it this far. And, and I really look forward to seeing you guys get your diploma in uh, six months and two to three years ish. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to again thank Ruby Valdez and Javier Ruedas for spending some time with me to share their personal experiences of what it's like to be a first-gen college student. I also want to thank Dr. Jessica Perez for giving her perspective on the typical experiences of first-gen students. During the interview, Ruby and Javier mentioned various clubs and programs that helped them in high school and college, such as AVID, MEP, and the American Society of Civil Engineers. And I'll place links in the show notes in case you'd like to learn more about these organizations. Before I wrap up today's episode, I also want to thank Gerardo Maldonado for running the soundboard during the recording. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a few ways to support it. You can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. You can rate the podcast and leave comments on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can help spread the word about the podcast by telling your friends, family, classmates, or whoever you think could benefit from this podcast. If you have any comments about this episode, feel free to email me at tesepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll place the email address in the show notes. I will personally read each email and try my best to respond to all of them. Goodbye for now.